So would you open God's precious holy word to Leviticus chapter 5. We continue with the sin offering. And of course our understanding is that all of this is encapsulated into the ministry and life and service of Christ. But it helps define it helps us to see the thoughts of God regarding his people and their sin. So there's a sin offering, there's a guilt offering, they're called different things. The guilt offering is sometimes called the reparation or repayment offering. The, the basic difference between a sin and a guilt offering is that one of them is kind of like, oops, you, you do something and you didn't realize you did it. And then it's made known to you. So that's an unintentional kind of a sin. And the guilt offering generally is more of a sin of commission or, or a sin that is uh, overt, that is intentional. So we keep that in mind as we continue with uh, the sin offering. If a person sins whereby he accepts an oath and he's a witness to some matter by seeing or knowing it and he doesn't testify, he should bear his transgression. That's the first thing that we see in this chapter about a sin offering. This is more of a sin and these are separated in this chapter because they're a little bit different than what the things that were mentioned in the previous chapter but still come under the, the sin offering. He shall bear his transgression. It's a sin of omission. He, there are other laws in the Mosaic Code, and we'll get to them someday, whereby an Israelite has an obligation to testify in a case or in a matter. Well, here's a case where someone is a witness and he doesn't testify. Well, why, why is that? Doesn't matter why. It's a transgression. It's a sin. Maybe, maybe he was off on a long trip, something that basically he couldn't have helped. Maybe he didn't realize the seriousness of the matter and gave it no other thought and didn't realize that it had come up as a case against someone. Whatever the case, it's still a sin, whether, whether he knew about it, whether he was inconvenienced in some way by being off in another land, it doesn't matter. It's a sin. A sin is a sin. One thing we see over and over again here in these various offerings that are mentioned in the first uh, five chapters of uh, Leviticus. And let me add parenthetically that the next few chapters will address the same sins, but from the priest's perspective. These are more or less from the worshiper's perspective, but the priest has, has duties and obligations. And when you put both of the accounts together, you can see how God expects the worshiper to deal with sin. And sin is very serious in the sight of God. 
and he holds, he holds the worshiper uh, responsible. So therefore, the worshiper has to become aware of his sin, confess his sin, and do what is appointed for him to do with regard to his sin. And the sin is a sin to the Lord. So here's the first one. He accepts, and you know, he's a witness, sees something, but he doesn't testify. He has to bear his transgression. It has to be acknowledged. It was a sin. I committed a sin. The second thing, if a person touches anything unclean, now the laws of uncleanliness, uncleanness and all of these other clean, whatever, that's later in Leviticus. So we'll, we'll study that later and we'll see the different categories. But among them here, uh, the carcass of an unclean wild animal, the carcass of an unclean domestic animal like a cow, or the carcass of an unclean creeping animal. That'd be like a mouse. <laughs> Step on a dead mouse in the middle of the night. That's encouraging. And it was hidden from him. He should be unclean and incurs guilt. So, okay, you get up to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water. You can't see. You stepped on something. Man, I don't know what that was. I'm going to have to clean it when I get up in the morning. And you get up in the morning, you see it's a dead mouse. Oh, no, I stepped on a dead mouse. I'm unclean. It was a sin. So, what happens? He shall be unclean. This is by the declaration of Yahweh, the Lord. And he incurs guilt. He's guilty. He touched something he, he didn't mean to maybe, but he touched it and he's unclean. He's responsible. What does it say? He shall be unclean. He incurs guilt. Third thing, or if he touches the uncleanness of a human with any uncleanness through which he may be defiled and it is hidden from him and later he knows he should be unclean and has incurred guilt. Now, there are various ways that people are declared unclean. We'll see that later as well. Um, so when he, when he discovers that he has been defiled by coming in contact with the uncleanness of another person, he doesn't know it, but he's unclean. And in that uncleanness, has incurred guilt. Therefore, before the Lord, he's guilty. Doesn't matter. You know, there is a reference in another part of the law of Moses about the sin of ignorance. A sin is a sin. And whether you know about it or not at the time has no bearing on the fact that in this case, the person is unclean and is guilty before the Lord, but now he discovers it. He has an obligation to deal with it before the Lord as a worshiper. Or if a person swears expressing, now this is a rash vow here, expressing with his lips to do harm. I tell you, I changed computers from one place to the other and I worked on this one for a while and it came out different looking, that's okay. We can still read it. I'm a real guru when it comes to computers. If a person swears expressing with his lips to do harm or to do good, this is a rash vow, 
Whatever a man may express in an oath and it is hidden from him and later he knows he's guilty in any one of these cases. You said it wrong. You said something you shouldn't have said. You swore an oath. And now you realize that what you said caused you to fall into sin. It's a sin. Now that you know it, you're guilty. You were guilty before you knew it. He is guilty in any one of these cases, this one and the previous three we just read. And it shall be when someone incurs guilt in any one of these cases, first of all, he confesses the sin which he had committed. He publicly confesses his sin so that people understand that he has been made aware of his sin. And I, I, I suppose back in the days when this was written in the days of Israel, this kind of thing probably happened all the time. I mean, it, it, it wasn't so much a source of embarrassment for the worshiper as it was a source for his declaration to try to be as true of a worshiper as he could be. When someone incurs guilt in any one of these cases, he shall confess the sin which he had committed. So he's specific with his confession. I did this, I didn't know I did it, but I did it and it has been made known to me that I did it and I recognize that I have incurred guilt because of it and it has made me unclean and this is the sin that I'm confessing and I'm bringing an offering. I'm dealing with my sin before Yahweh. And he shall bring his guilt offering to Yahweh for his sin which he had committed, a female animal from the flock, either a sheep or a goat, for a sin offering and the, the priest shall make atonement from his sin. So he deals with the priest. The priest has obligations uh, and duties to help the worshiper and to assist in the, in the sacrifice that he's to make, the offering that he's to make. If he can't afford a sheep, he shall bring as his guilt offering for that sin which he has committed two turtle doves or two young doves before Yahweh, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. Now, the sin offering is to deal with his sin. The burnt offering deals with his testimony. Now, Lord, that I have given this. Remember the burnt offering we saw it sometime earlier? The burnt offering is offered by a worshiper who has already dealt with sin and guilt, the assumption is. So as far as he is, as far as in his mind, he stands before Yahweh as a servant who offers himself in the best way that he understands. His sins have been dealt with because of his previous offerings, sin or guilt. And now he stands before Yahweh as a forgiven, purified worshiper. And so the burnt offering, after the sin offering is made, the burnt offering is made, and the burnt offering is flayed open. I mean, there's all of the entrails coming. Everything on the inside of that offering is exposed so that nothing is hidden. And the burnt offering is to say to Yahweh, as far as I can see as a worshiper, I stand here in, in, in the state of forgiveness, having dealt with sin and guilt. And now I offer myself in service to you, not hiding one thing. I'm not hiding any other sin. There's nothing of which I'm aware. 
I'm giving myself now completely and totally in service. And the burnt offering then is offered. offered. He shall bring them to the priest who shall first offer up that bird, which is designated for the sin offering. He shall cut its head by piercing with his nail opposite the back of its head, but he shall not separate it. There was a way, there was a technique that they could use to kill the, to kill the, the bird without, without making an injury that would make it an unacceptable kind of, of offering. So he shall not separate it. He shall sprinkle from the blood of the sin offering on the wall of the altar. The remainder of the blood shall be pressed out onto the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. He shall offer up the second one as a burnt offering according to the law. Then thus the priest shall make atonement for him from his sin which he had committed. He shall be forgiven. It doesn't matter what your economic state, your social status, how rich or poor you would bring the best that you could afford to bring. And the Lord knew it. You would do it to the Lord and you would know that the Lord would know that you're not holding anything back. This is the best I can do. So anyone in the community was able and capable of coming before Yahweh and dealing with sin and then offering that burnt offering so that he could show to Yahweh and the congregation and to the priest that he, he's not holding anything else back. He's not aware of any other sin and everything here is being dealt with. So when that happens, what happens here? Atonement is made for him. He's forgiven. It's a declaration. You are forgiven. You know, first, is it first John 1, 9? Uh, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the desire of Yahweh for his people to recognize that we are sinners. We are sinners and in the way that he prescribes, our sin has to be dealt with. Now we, we could go through, you know, we could perhaps go to the book of Hebrews, for example, and then take the events of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We could compare all these things. That would take us forever to do that, but suffice it to say that Christ is our great sacrifice. He covers all of these things and continues to deal with it in our behalf as our high priest in heaven seated at the right hand of the majesty. So he died to save us and he lives to keep us saved. This is his, this is his work. That's how, that's how the book of Hebrews chapter 7, maybe 8 and 9 as well, describes the work of our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. King of righteousness, king of peace. Uh, and he, as the king of righteousness, declares that we are righteous because of what he has done for us. Now, all of these things that we read about culminate in the work of Christ. So we come to Christ. He is our priest. He's also the sacrifice. The priest offered himself as a sacrifice, son of God. And as the sacrifice dies on Calvary, as the priest has ascended, is seated in the appropriate place and continues his work as our mediator our, uh, who fights against the adversary, the accuser, and continues because his, you don't have to go to the temple anymore, you don't have to keep doing this stuff over and over again. Book of Hebrews says it's a once for all thing. Now Christ has done this for us. So unintentional sin, intentional sin, 
Sins of omission, sins of commission, sins that are secret, sins that are overt, must be confessed, atonement is made, and forgiven, forgiveness is given. Absolute. It's a very absolute statement here. And he shall be forgiven. If he can't afford two turtle doves, two young doves, then he shall bring as a sacrifice one-tenth of the eve of fine flour for a sin offering. Now this separates it from the burnt offering. He shall not put oil over it, he, nor place frankincense on it. For it's a sin offering. It's not the other kind of offering. This is a sin offering. Now everybody should have that, you see. He shall bring it to the priest. The priest shall scoop out a fistful as its reminder, cause it to go up and smoke on the altar upon the fires of Yahweh. It is a sin offering. No one would be incapable in the community of God's people to come before God, confess sin, offer the sacrifice, receive the atonement, and be completely forgiven. Anybody, anybody. So no one is left out. The gracious and merciful almighty God reaches out to everyone and offers all, if it was, if it was a goat or if it was a fistful of flour, doesn't matter. Accept it on the same basis. It's a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he committed in any one of these cases and he shall be forgiven. And it shall belong to the priest like the meal offering. Now when we get to the next section, which is after tonight, we get to the next session, section and we see all of these offerings from the, from the priestly duty viewpoint. Uh, we will, we will understand this a little better, so I won't, I won't go into that uh, so much tonight. Now, there it is. In the middle of chapter five, the instructions for the guilt offering are given, beginning in verse 14. So let's, uh, let's look at that. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, if a person commits a betrayal and trespass, trespasses unintentionally against one of the things sacred to Yahweh, he shall bring as his guilt offering to Yahweh an unblemished ram from the flock with a value of silver shekels in accordance with the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. Now this is an expensive, <laughs> this is an expensive sin. <laughs> it has to be valued in silver shekels, a ram, an unblemished ram. And what he has trespassed against the holy thing he shall pay. And he shall add one fifth of its value and he shall give it to the priest. The priest shall then make atonement for him through the ram uh, of the guilt offering. He shall be forgiven. Okay, so he, he betrays and trespasses unintentionally against one of the sacred things of uh, uh, of the, of the uh, tabernacle. He could have done it unintentionally. It could be uh, he's required. There, there, there is a, the, the law of the tithe, for example, and the tithe is explained. There's the law of the first fruits. That's explained. Maybe, maybe he doesn't do it right or whatever, and it's made known to him. 
Well, this, this was a serious thing. And I'll tell you where it says, uh, it, it's, it says that this, this, this is holy to the Lord. It's because a major reason is, of course, the major reason is that the worshiper is expected to be obedient. But uh, from, from the things that are the first fruits, uh, the tithe and, and the other things that are, we'll see them listed later on in the law, those things support the work of the tabernacle, including payment to the Levites. Now the Levites, the, Le, the, the, the Levitical priesthood were separated and set apart from all the other tribes. They couldn't own land, for example. When they get to the promised land, they, they, have, they have cities, they have Levite cities where the, where the Levites would live. But they don't own land. They, they had a special set of instructions. They couldn't have their own land, so they couldn't produce their own, their own work. They couldn't produce their own income. But Yahweh provided for them. And the process of, of bringing uh, the offerings into the tabernacle, that, that process is clear, clearly identified later in the law, and it's a requirement. It's expected from, from the people. God declared that it was a holy thing, and if they didn't do it, it was serious, and therefore it was an expensive thing. If a person sins and commits one of the commandments of Yahweh, which may not be committed, but he does not know he's guilty. He shall bear his transgression. He doesn't know that he broke one of the commandments. For example, and I've used this illustration quite a bit. Suppose they had Facebook in those days or email. And something comes up. And it's an article that you know has to be true. And it inflames you. And you share that thing. Later it's disproven. Well, you just, what did you do? You bore false witness, right? Oh, I didn't mean to. Well, you did though. Or you forwarded an email that wasn't true. Something like that. Well, it wasn't that way in that day, but you get the point. Something could have been repeated, whatever. Didn't realize that he was committing a sin against the commandments of Yahweh, but he's guilty. He shall bring an unblemished ram from the flock with the value for a guilt offering to the priest. The priest shall then make the atonement for his unintentional sin, which he committed and did not know. He shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering which he has incurred. It's guilt before Yahweh. So in this case, it, it goes up a notch in, in this part in this particular offering. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, if a person sins betraying Yahweh by falsely denying to his fellow concerning a deposit or money given in hand or an object taken by robbery or he withheld funds from his fellow or he found a lost article and he denied it and swore falsely regarding any uh, one of all of these cases whereby a man may sin and it shall be when he is sinned and is guilty that he shall return the article which he had robbed or the funds 
which he had withheld, or the item which had been deposited with him, or the article which he had found, or anything else regarding which he had sworn falsely, he shall pay it with its principal, adding its fifths to it. He pays with interest. And he shall give it to its rightful owner on the day he repents for his guilt. He shall then bring his guilt offering to Yahweh, an unblemished ram from the flock with the same value for a guilt offering to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him before Yahweh. And he shall be forgiven for any one of all cases whereby one may commit a sin incurring guilt through it. He gets con convicted within himself. He purposefully did wrong. He defrauded. He stole something. Now, he has to make reparation with interest. He has to pay back with interest. And he does this when he confesses his sin. You know that, you know that, uh, that pair of oxen that you thought ran off? I took them. Here's, here are the oxen. Here's some sheep and here's some other stuff. And I'm paying with interest. I'm giving it back to you. I was guilty. I'm a sinner. I sinned and I'm confessing my sin. I'm paying it back. And now I'm offering the ram that is required before Yahweh. So you see this, it seems like, well, you know, that's a felony. That's pretty bad. Yes, it is. But notice how much value Yahweh places on the confession. He relieves the worshiper, the worshiper being required to repay with interest what he had done wrong, what he had stolen, defrauded, whatever. But his confession is worth so much. This is the way Yahweh presents it here in the law. So he confesses, he repays, he confesses, and there are consequences to his sin, so he has to go beyond that and give his offering, his guilt offering, to Yahweh. And he's forgiven. Complete, as, as serious as that was, he has been forgiven. The priest makes atonement for him before Yahweh. And he's forgiven for any one of all these cases whereby one may commit a sin and incurring that guilt. So he makes his guilt offering. And now, before Yahweh, and the way it's supposed to be before Israel, it is as though it never happened. He's, he's, he's freed from his guilt and his sin. The payments have been made that were required and Yahweh restores his worshiper to his rightful place in the community of worshipers there in the nation of Israel. Well, we're going to stop there and uh, God willing, we'll pick it up there next time. So let's pray and we'll be, we'll be through for tonight. Father God in heaven, Lord, your word helps us to understand the gravity of sin and, and how you're always mindful of it in our lives and the great obligation that we have to confess to repent to seek atonement and be forgiven oh lord thank you for jesus our savior 
who died to save us, who lives to keep us, and who's coming again for us. In his name we pray. Amen.